Eating healthy, living healthy, being healthy. This is the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast. A podcast focused on holistic wellness and teaching you about incorporating the keto diet and lifestyle changes to achieve an energetic balance. Teaching you how to live now so you don't struggle to live later. And now, your host, Jessica Ankaya. Hey everyone, Jessica here. Welcome back to another episode of Keto and Energetic Balance for You. Today I have my friend, Master Lama Rasaji back. And I'm not sure if you caught our previous episode, but we had a webinar several weeks ago and we talked a lot about Tai Chi Gung and the wonderful benefits for healing. And so if you've not caught that, then I would listen to that. So anyways, I brought him back because I had more questions that I wanted to talk to him about. And one of the big things that I'm very intrigued about and that I'm going to talk to him about is fasting. And we're going to go through how fasting, I mean, yeah, it's wonderful for detox and, you know, it could even help with weight loss to an extent, but the the main thing we're going to cover is fasting for spirituality. So anyways, here he is. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jessica, and it's uh, great to be back with you and uh, looking forward to today's uh, podcast and and anything I can do to help your listeners, well, by all means, I'd be more than happy to. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, so kind of tell me a little bit about what are your thoughts on fasting and, well, mainly fasting for spirituality and even for cleansing of the body. What, what is your thoughts and what are your experiences with fasting, especially training in Tibet, you know, in the Lamasari in Tibet and that sort of thing. Well, as you know, as we stated before, our teachings are handed down from the city uh, yoga lineage that depending on who you talk to today was well dated over 50,000 years ago. And when people get a hold of my first book, The Circle of Life, which obviously they can obtain by joining our free network at Rasaji.com. They'll see the information underneath the video. People often ask me, they go through the different chapters and they say, I noticed that, you know, that nutrition is like chapter four or five. And a lot of people naturally think that when we begin to lead a quote unquote spiritual life, that a lot of people think that that should be prerequisite and I don't have to begin to tell you there are diet systems out the yin yang out there uh some lean more metaphysically support some are almost cultish in nature uh so rigid that they don't leave the ability to think I remember when I very first started teaching in 1983 openly I had been teaching for a while but officially openly it started in July the fourth week of 1983, and uh, a lot of people would come to me with this question, and, you know, what kind of diet are you eating? What are you putting in your body, Risaji? What are you not putting in? And I always tell people, refer back to my book, that not only were the chapters not one chapter, but they were put in the order of importance. 
And a lot of people are like, so the, you know, the Tai Chi Gong Lamas and the City Yoga Masters agree on that order. And the order is um, after recognizing that we're all divine and after recognizing we're all children of the most high God, doesn't matter what you call that God force, but that we are. Then you look at what relationships do we have to the divine? Of course, we have a relationship with our mind. So they all believe the first thing we got to do is get this right. Because what happens later, if you don't get this right, it's going to haunt you. And as a matter of fact, every discipline that we do after that gives you more power. Well, one thing's for sure. We don't want to give power to negative thinking. But that's what basically we're doing if we don't change this, right? And I'll describe that as we get more into fasting and altering your diet and why that's important. So the next chapter is learn how to breathe energy. So the reason why these two are so vitally important in basic yoga, the mind is considered the masculine principle of the connection to the divine and the breathing is considered the feminine. So they in themselves are yin and yang or the root of hatha, which means sun and moon, right? Yin and yang. So if I'm breathing energy, I'm not only cleansing my brain, mm -hmm. but I'm also cleansing my energy body where most of my intellectual, psychological, and emotional kind of garbage is. It's surrounded in your energy body. So if I start to think more clearly, if I take these prayer beads and I start to spend five to 15 minutes a day choosing the affirmations, the mantras, or the chants that I choose, well, that's five to 15 minutes a day that someone else is no longer choosing for me. So that's important, okay? Yes. That over a period of time begins to alter everything, every cell in the body. It begins to alter your field, the auritic field. Then when I breathe energy and I start breathing more from the lower diaphragm and I'm inhaling through the nose and exhaling out the mouth, which we refer to as the balanced breath, because the nose represents the fire element and the mouth represents the water element. That's why we breathe that way. And what that does, not only does it give incredible amount of oxygen, see, the, see oxygen to the nervous system, which supports your mental facility in a big way, uh, is like chocolate to the nervous system. So the more oxygen you have, the calmer the nervous system gets because you're putting it in a more alkaline nature. So not only does the blood cells and the DNA love that, but it actually calms the, the nervous system down. It's like years ago when we had transformers on top of telephone poles, of which you don't see this much anymore, they had liquid in the transformer. So to balance the electrical surge, that came through the transformer, right, over a period of time. And so when I breathe and I give those oxygens to the cells and to the nerve endings, and then later I start adding a lot of H2O, 
Well, that in itself begins to create a balance that most people have. So then I, I, I need to learn. And third thing I need to do is learn how to move energy and move energy through me. So we are, you know, human being was designed, Jessica, to be on, on, on two feet. Think of the five point stars with the arms out and the head representing the fifth point. That is actually a symbol of humanity. That is a, a symbol of a well-balanced being. It's also a symbol of, it's where we get the optimum energy during the day. That's why people that spend more time standing and walking and moving, their metabolism is much more balanced, much more active than if we're sitting behind a desk all day long, or I'm sitting on the couch and I'm channel surfing through the remote. Sure. All of these things not only make you more healthy, they make your spirit more clean. And with a clean spirit and with the soul makes a decision it wants you to do something. It's like Master Rabbi Jesus says, now the spirit and the body is willing and is strong. It's not lazy. So the fourth category comes down to nutrition. And, and what most people are used to dealing with is, you know, DNA nutrition and only DNA in the cell wall of the human being. City yoga masters, Tai Chi Gung Lama say, we've got a bloodline DNA that is passed through our family for eons of time. And it's partially designed by all of these categories I just talked about, how they eat, how much they eat, how much meat they eat. Generations, not only are the toxins in the bloodstream from those generations, the desires for those foods are there. The way we access carbohydrates and especially proteins. Somebody says, well, I want to become a vegetarian like overnight. We really advise against that because that's extreme, and especially if they come from a generation that they can trace their family lineage back four or five generations of carnivorous eating protein, that means the way that their receptors access that protein is through animal protein. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to try to force that system to say, I'm going to get my protein from seeds and nuts and lentils and complex carbohydrates. Well, you can over a period of time, but what you've noticed when people go extreme, sometimes they look like they came from a concentration camp of Auschwitz because they're obviously in a cleansing stage, yeah. but their receptors are not taking in those proteins properly and using them properly. And so they do not look healthy. You've noticed that, right? A lot of times they're very white and flushed out or even gray. They don't have the proper circulation in the face. You can tell the, eye, the light's not strong in the eyes. This is telling you that not only are they having trouble absorbing nutrition on a DNA level, even their spirit and souls having issues with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So now we're getting the nutrition and we realize there's not just one level of nutrition. There's three major levels of nutrition. And in India, they call it the Chanda. It says spirit, mind, and body are but one. And here's, in other words, you can't affect one without affecting the other two. Anybody that thinks that is very naive metaphysically and spiritually. If they don't understand that what I do in my diet also affects my mind and my spirit and not just my body. This has been the problem for so long of why spirituality with a lot of people has not included the body. We haven't been ready for it until this age. Now you're seeing people get into yoga, get into Tai Chi, and, you know, starting to take care of their body, be mindful about what they do with their body. So these three levels of nutrition is, well, the DNA. So it's going to be the most important thing to do in your DNA is that 50% of what we do every day should be good, clean water. So what I tell people to get in the habit of is for every dark liquid you drink, make sure that before you drink another dark liquid, whether it's tea, it's coffee, whatever, juice even, make sure you drink water. So if I was drinking six glasses of colored drink a day and I had six bottles of water, you can imagine that alone, what it begins to do to cleanse the body, it makes the intestinal tract more regular. It flushes the kidneys. It neutralizes the acids, whether the acids are coming from tea, from coffee, or even let's say citrus juices, which also are acids that are not easy for us to digest. I mean, we love the vitamins that come from orange juice, but everybody's got a threshold of how much orange juice they can have on a given day because of the citric acid. Pineapple juice, grapefruit juice, same thing, right? That's right. But if I drunk this much pineapple juice and orange juice and grapefruit juice and turned around and drank this much water afterwards before I did anything like that again, it's amazing what it does to your physical DNA. Well, because I'm cleansing the cells too and flushing the organs, obviously my mind's going to like that. And so is my spirit. Again, you can't do one thing here and there without affecting everything. As above, so below. We say in Tai Chi Go, so below, as above. It's the circle of life, right? That's why we call our group the circle of life. So then I have a psychic level of nutrition. And the psychic level of nutrition says, my physical body is made up of also the basic elements of nature. There's a certain amount of earth in my body. There's a certain amount of water. I mean, we know we're 70 to 75% water. There's a certain amount of fire. In order for my nervous system to operate, the element of fire has to be present. In the digestive tract, if the fire is not present, you will not break food down in your body properly. 
So we not only cook things in an oven and in a stove, but we also recook it in our bodies. A lot of people don't know that. And that cooking process between the upper and lower GI has a lot to do with your vitality level. And if your vitality level is low, you won't cook that second food twice properly. Mm -hmm. And all of that turns to sludge in the body and takes the vitality and body temperature where? Down, okay. down. So I there's a certain amount of air in every cell, every nerve ending. If, if I don't get enough proper oxygen, not only does my metabolism is it effective? Well, I'll give you an idea. Berkeley had this study years ago, over two decades ago, where they took over 500 people that were 55 and older. And they wanted to understand what was the relation between oxygen and metabolism. And they were astonished that what they learned from that said that uh, the root of a lot of obesity in the Western culture was because the average person at 55 was lucky if they were breathing 55 to 65%. And that they, they came to the conclusion in order to properly metabolize your food, just in the body, not counting in the energy body, but just in the body itself, right. just regarding plumbing, right? They said, you need to be able to breathe at least 65 to 75% capacity. And they saw that these people were breathing 55 and less. And without even knowing it, they stumbled onto one of the greatest roots of obesity in our Western culture, which is breathing, which has nothing to do with fasting, nothing yeah. to do with nutrition. <laughs> it was just breathing, right? Again, go back to the chapters. Like I said, they were listed in the order of their importance, right? So I know we're going to talk about fasting. We're moving toward that. Well, that's fine. I, this is important. Yeah. I had to lay this foundation oh, yeah. because a lot of people think about this backwards. They really think they, about they this backwards. Absolutely. And so when I look at earth, water, air, and fire, the only way I learn from them is by spending time with them. So I need to bathe every day, but I don't need to bathe just to cleanse the toxins off the skin of the body, but it also cleanses the aura. Yes. Okay. I not only want to spend time with candles when I pray in the morning, but the fire is literally burning the death out of the aura. Because the fire in the east is looked to as the mouth of God. And when I'm giving homage to the father, I should be spending time with fire, yes. right? And so, so we looked at nutrition on a DNA ever. I should eat a balanced meal. And, you know, this begins to change now. And another reason we don't put an overemphasis on diet to start with it's because you're going to have this thing that starts to go off the chart called intuition, that this journey on Tai Chi Gung is an inside journey. Mm -hmm. And you're already finding it out. The more you practice these spiritual exercises of Tai Chi Gung, 
it brings you an intelligence that's in this energy that's higher than we're used to having. And that intelligence knows exactly how you're supposed to eat, when you're supposed to eat, what you're supposed to eat, and how much of it. They're all important, right? Right. So all of a sudden, now we're at spiritual nutrition. Everybody goes, what the heck is spiritual nutrition? Well, naturally, people might think, well, that's prayer and that's meditation and contemplation. They'd be partially right. Right. What people don't really understand is the way that God designed the human beings was this. He said, this was a human experiment that started 400,000 years ago on this planet. Okay. So they can now trace DNA on the planet to 400,000 years. They have found skeletons buried beneath the Sahara Desert that they have now with carbon testing and DNA testing, they says at least 350,000 years ago. So this kind of blows out the modern day religions being also books of history. It just completely blew that right out the window. So if, 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 if your key for history is studying one holy book in the world, you're in a lot of trouble. And a lot of people could say you have a very closed mind if that's your viewpoint of the world. When scientists and archaeologists agree that human DNA has been on the planet 350 to 400,000 years. So in city yoga practice, we've been saying this ain't the first rodeo. That we're, we're in a day and night of God in ancient India and in the city yoga tradition that dates back way beyond modern day religion. And it says, people talk about the great awakening and this thing called the golden age. Guess what? This is the seventh to eighth time we've done this cycle. Now, the beautiful thing about this is we've, we've been kind of doing it like this. Each time, even though, you know, if I, if I get on a day or season, and I'm on the earth, and I'm far enough away from the sun, we say that's darkness, right? Right. People don't know spiritually their cycles like that also. Aha. Uh -huh. It starts <laughs> to explain everything, right? Because what it says is about 12,000 years out, I'm on the other side of the globe of God. And that's when we're in the darkest cycle. The neat thing about it, based on God's love and mercy and grace, if you will, is that we've been ascending like this. Mm -hmm. So even though sometimes we're more lit up, sometimes the light's a little bit out, we're, we're, we're ascending. So there's a good chance that this one could be the last one. I really do believe more people will ascend this time than ever before. That is I think is safe to say. That's the neat thing. Will it be you that are watching it? Well, it depends on if you do all these things we're talking about. So spiritually, what it says is God came in and kind of designed the human beings a little bit after what Albert Einstein kind of said. And that was, we have about, we're using about 10 to 15% of our facility. Mentally, spiritually, and physically. Now, Little. God, out of his grace and mercy, says, I'm going to put that on 
what I call automatic pilot. Okay, so I'm flying a plane. I'm a student pilot. I'm thinking about going over the Atlantic and I'm leaving New York and I want to go to England to see my buddies. I want to go see my buddy Simon Park and me are good buddies. So I'm on my way over to see Simon, right? And I don't know a lot about what I'm doing, but what I know I can do is I can press autopilot and the machine is recorded based on data of, I don't know, 1,200 good pilot trips. So I don't have to worry about it. There it goes. It's got its memory. But if all of a sudden I get in a storm and wind and rocket, I might have to then take it off automatic pilot and put it on manual control. Now I better have the knowledge. I better have the experience. I better know about what I'm talking about. That's where we're at, Jessica. So Tai Chi Gung was given to the planet to say, here's the operational manual for the spirit, mind, and body, the Chanda. Now, you're going to slowly learn over the next 20 to 30 years how to take your spirit, mind, and body off autopilot for 30 minutes to an hour a day and put it on manual. And if you do that, mm -hmm. God the Father is going to give you more power by you taking accountability and taking charge. He's going to let you start to reprogram yourself from example, 110 electricity to 220. Now, so here's, so, so what happens is the soul is here and it's about yay big, but it has enough power to probably run electricity in the average city in America. That little jewel has that much power. Think about that one for a second. How much is a human worth, right? Yeah. Millions, literally millions, right? Okay, so, but who thinks they're worth millions, right? Millions, right? So watch what happens. So in yoga, we, we alternate breathe, and we call it the Inga and the Vagala, which stimulates both sides of the Kundalini, the yin and the yang. But there is a center column or pillar that runs through the crown chakra all the way right in front of the spinal column out the permeal and goes all the way down into the earth. And we call that the Sasuma. I refer to it as the pillar of God, right? So if you remember the great movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they're getting ready to open the ark. And Harrison Ford says, don't look at the ark because you're going to see the pillar of God. So they open it up. The pillar of God goes and anybody that was looking got blinded. Remember? Yep. That's an example of the true power of God. Okay. So watch this. This is always flowing, but we out of free will have to feed it. Yes. And we feed it with our penance and our petition to God every day, spending time with him in all of these chapters of my book, which I refer to it as the beginning of the Enoch effect, that you know several episodes ago, Jimmy and me and the Patriot of the Lama talked about that. Yes, yes. So when people say, why is this your first book? And excuse me, I forgot to turn off the phone. And, and why was this your first book? And then why are things in this order? Well, they're in this order for purpose. 
And it's my first book because it's purpose. And it was to introduce the Enoch effect to human beings in a gentle mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Because as I begin to feed the energy, increase my mind getting more positive, and also learn to use the mind like a like a telescope, a periscope focused, right? As I learn to breathe energy now, not let's say and then I go from 15 minutes a day to 30 minutes a day to an hour a day, right? Activates Kundalini, second birth, right? Yes. I start doing it. The next thing I know, spirit says drink more water than colored drinks. Everything's getting better, right? And all of a sudden, I'm eating more vegetable and more grain and less animal protein. And I'm slowly making the shift to reciprocate protein on an easier level. That process is about 20 to 30 years for the average human being, by the way. Okay, so got so long, health and longevity come into play here also, right? So all of a sudden, right? And then what happens is the susuma gets stronger. Because I'm feeding it. Petition of God, I'm feeding it with all the penance that I'm doing, right? And he's giving me more power, more authority, more responsibility. And now I'm not a spiritual baby anymore, like scripture says. It's time to lay down the baby, time to grow up. And now I'll go through adolescence. And now I'm spiritually maybe in my 20s. And And a being right now that if you're spiritually like in your 20s you're like a super person because according to einstein now you're using 15 to 20 percent of your facility Mm -hmm. and that's what we call jessica masters and i just described Mm -hmm. the reasons that masters are masters see nobody tells these stories like because i have studied with real ones for 50 years i've studied with real masters Masters that could do everything that Master Rabbi Jesus could do in the Bible, and then some. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's half a dozen. And that's only in this lifetime. And I have awareness of six other lives where, again, I was with these masters, right? And so, you know, and, 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 and I put my shoes on like everybody else. And, and, and when I started feeding the Susuma, right? with my penance right away nothing miraculously happened right away but right lo and behold you know it was like in our last episode on the 144,000 the patron alumnum we were talking I was talking about you have to build faith right I gave the example most people don't know even what faith really really is Jessica and the last thing they know is how to build it And so I gave the analogy of Apostle Thomas after the resurrection. He has to see, touch, feel, smell. All of his senses needs to address this new body of Christ to say this is Jesus the Christ. Because he had to know, was this his real master? It's understandable. I mean... They had never seen anybody rise from the dead. I mean, why, why give Thomas such a big rap, right? And, and when, it's, when it's logical what he was doing. But what a lot of people missed in this analogy is the church will teach 
that what Thomas has is no faith. And the statement that Jesus makes is not about that Thomas had no faith. He was talking about two levels of faith. Yeah. He said, great is thee that has seen and believed, but greater is thee that has not seen, wow. but still believes. So very powerful here, and a lot of people miss this, is that how we work as human beings is the same way that the three apostles worked when Jesus turned his body to light on Mount Transfiguration, and Elijah shows up, Moses shows up, and the apostle says, let's make three booms for these enlightened beings, right? And then as they go down in the mountain, Jesus says, don't tell anybody what you saw until I raise this body on the third day. That's what he said, right? Mm -hmm. And as he's coming down the mountains, right? The people that want healing in the village are coming up and grabbing a hold of them because they have sensed something powerful has happened. Now, I'm going to tell you how powerful that moment was. It was equally, if not more powerful than Moses coming down the mountain from seeing the burning bush. Think about it, how, how, how it connects the dots, right? And they had seen on his face that he had seen the face of God. Because our soul is recognized by the light in our eyes, but you know a spiritual person by the reflection of the spirit on the face. So it's easy to tell a person who's of spirit and light because you can see it on their face. So we take a pregnant woman and she's two months pregnant. She's three months pregnant. All of a sudden, about four, four and a half months, about halfway, boom, the susuma comes in of the expectant fetus. What happens to mommy? Oh, my God. If you were there just yesterday, you would notice a difference in mommy's eyes, and you would notice a difference in the countenance on her face. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. She's got a double spirit, and she's got a double soul. Because not only is the fetus in there, but the indwelling soul has now come in. And what do we know as a sign that this has happened besides the eyes of mommy and the spirit of mommy? The baby moves. Mm. Turling, turling. See, God plays his little tambourine, plays his little drums, and God the Father says, guess what? I'm here now. Now, it's not that it wasn't life at conception it was but now it has the potential to be a full human because now it not only has man's dna it has god's dna in it. right and so the whole representative master rabbi jesus says, i'm gonna he says i'm gonna make an example of this person mm -hmm. that's what he really said he said so i'm gonna send down the holy spirit to impregnate the woman so that you understand it's my DNA. And I'm going to make, I'm going to make a God man. You get it? I'm going to make a God and man. And what does scripture say about that, right? Again, the church completely moved over this. Is if it, he, they say he's first wakened by spirit. So, so he gets awoken in the womb 
we get woken at puberty. You get it? Yeah. Yeah. But we're sons and daughters and he is our elder spiritual brother. He's like our leader. He's like the example. He's the mediatrix, right? But we too are sons and daughters of the most high. And he is the way shower. He is the example. That's who he is. And that's what he wants to be. Look, I know I've had hundreds of conversations with the guy. I know without a doubt, I don't care what the church says. And I don't care what um, a superficial Christian says, if all they've ever read is the one book and they've gone to the one church and they think they know everything they know about this much. That's what they know. Because they haven't not only experienced enough in life to know that, they haven't experienced enough spiritually to know that, which is more important, right? Because it should have got them so excited that it wasn't the end of their journey. It was the beginning of their journey, right? right? So here we are now. I talked about the mind, the breath. I talked about moving energy, three levels of nutrition. Now let's talk about fasting. <laughs> now fasting should enter in that level. Do you understand? We should start to get a right. foundation in all the other spiritual practices. And now, because why? Let me tell you, anybody that knows this, you start changing the quality of the food in a person. And especially the density of the food. In other words, how much they eat and how heavy it is, right? You look at the animal kingdom alone, they all don't weigh the same. Right. Certain meats have more acid than other meats, yes? Yes. So when we eat meat, we're not only eating meat, we're partially eating the consciousness of that meat too, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody's always trying to sell me, oh, chicken is more spiritually and more healthy, Lama Rasaji, than eating a steak. <laughs> Do you know what chickens eat? <laughs> Do you know how dirty a chicken really is? Does anybody ever think about it? Do you want to know what the conscious level of a chicken, if you think the conscious level of a cow is small, then you, you don't know what a conscious level of a chicken is one of the most stupidest animals on the earth, right? Right. Well, it's also one of the dirtiest animals on the, on the earth. It is to, to the earth, it is what a catfish is to, to it, it's, it's, it's like, it cleans up everything, all this, all the crap. It's eating crap. And yeah. the same thing with the with the catfish. You know, you live up in the Carolinas, you know about fishing. I'm a Tennessee boy. I was raised across the pond from where you're living, right? Right. And we would go out and oh, they were really big on like, let's get catfish, you know, and catfish eat everything that's on the bottom <laughs> of the ground. Right. What do you call that? Right? That's a chicken. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, if you know how dirty chicken is, as much as people might not like pork, pork's actually cleaner than chicken. No. The cow's cleaner than pork, than pork is. So you weigh what it does to your body, but you also weigh what it does to your spirit. Remember I told you you can't separate. See, 
the dark side sold us all this crap about separation. Oh, you can only do this. If you want to be enlightened, you have to only walk through this door. That's right. If, 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 if you spiritual, you have to be a vegan vegetarian. You, only spiritual people. Mm -hmm. uh, you're talking about 144,000 Lama. They can only be Judean Christians who are vegans and they only eat when the moon's high or something. You know, it's just ridiculously like, let's make the needle, the eye of the needle so small that nobody can get through. Yes. See, even that story doesn't even hold water anymore. If a person reads thoroughly scripture, besides a superficial understanding, unfortunately, most people, this is really true in America, are so lazy intellectually that most people, when you ask them what are their interpretations of the Bible, they're whatever the pastures they go to told them it was. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? I have noticed that. Have you ever noticed that? But, and if they go to so-and-so yeah. pasture and he's really big into Matthew, well, he's going to thump Matthew. If they go to another pastor who's big into the Gospel of John, they're going to thump God or Luke or whatever. Yeah. But the real apostle was Paul. And what Paul does in his epistles, especially in Romans and in Corinthians, but especially in Hebrew, the last epistle, where he's speaking to his brethren. What is his peers? What is his brother? Well, they are sisters and brothers, which are children of, of fathers who are part of the Pharisees in the Sanhedrin, and they are part of Academia Judea of the time. Mm. And that was already starting to get corrupt. Already, the corruption had already started, taking people off the focus that God was really in here and that God was there. Yeah. They were teaching God, God's there and there's no afterlife. And this is it. When you're said and done and you start to go rotten in the grave or in the fire pit or whatever, that's it. You're done forever. Right. Right. And then Jesus comes in and he's trying to teach true immortality. But people weren't really ready for that yet. The, you know, he could teach, but it could only be interpreted by the people, the level of consciousness at the time. And the apostles did the best they could, but they're kind of a group of misfits when it comes down to it. You know, fishermen and this and that. And, you know, nothing wrong with fishing. I love fish. If I could fish every day, I'd fish every day. I love it. But they could barely catch fish. How are they going to be fisher men of men? When Peter couldn't even catch a fish until Jesus jumped in the boat and showed him how to fish, right? right? So the point is, is that fasting or decreasing your food intake, you want to be careful because it can alter this cycle and put you into a faster imbalance. Because let's look at why we eat beyond just the nutritional level. Okay, so first of all, let's look at uh, what the Arabic uh, culture says about eating. It says, we eat our ways to disease, we digest our way to health. 
So we eat our way to disease and we digest our way to health. So what they're saying is don't overeat and make it easy on digestion. So yeah. there, there's a key right there. But there's also another reason that we eat, Jessica, and that is to keep grounded and to keep balanced. Mm -hmm. I've had, I can't tell you how many psychic and spiritualists have come to, up to me over the years that have looked at my aura and said, why do you even eat? Because you don't need to. I said, I have to eat for two reasons. One, to keep up appearance, because I socially have to be interactive. Because I'm, I didn't choose an incarnation this time where I was going to stare at my navel and meditate in a cave looking at alfalfa sprouts, right? Mm -hmm. I chose to be an active part of society because God says there's two things that we do when we're here. Number one is we work on ourselves to improve. And then number two, we're called to share what little bit of knowledge we get with humanity. And that's the age we're in. And why are we in that age? Because we're the age of movement, energy, and what my tape was in the last 24 hours, communication. So if I'm not communicating in this lifetime, I'm really not growing. If I'm a social misfit, I need to really look in the mirror and examine because this is not the age, excuse me, of living in a cave. If I'm not moving enough, I'm dying. Right. Because when you look at if the body is 70 to 75% liquid, what does that denote? It can denote a lot of things, but one thing for sure it denotes, and that's movement because water does what? It moves. Where, where do you not know a healthy stream, river, or ocean that is not moving? Yeah. Water that doesn't move is not healthy. Oh, so wow. when you don't move, you're not healthy. So communication, movement, energy. Oh, now we're right back to the circle of life. So what I could say about the mind, the breathing, the movement, and the three levels of nutrition is how we excess God's energy. Mm -hmm. All the different ways, see, we can excess God's energy. When we excess God's energy outside of ourselves, we feed the sasuma, the pillar of God in ourselves. What starts to happen with this little jewel called a soul? Well, in Revelations, it says, it gets as big and as brilliant as the sun, not S-O-N, but S-U-N. Mm. So I want a soul, right, that Jesus demonstrated, you know, master of masters, that he demonstrated that your soul should be like the sun. And what does Peter say in scripture? Let the noonday sun arise into your heart let the noonday sun arise into your heart he's telling you in that piece of scripture that's how bright your soul should be like noonday sun everybody knows noonday sun's the brightest sun right that's why that's why peter's making reference to that and then later he says joy is for the saints 
and only they can put it on. Joy is of the saints. So when we're going to fast, let's examine the word fast and prayer. Because Jesus was not just teaching us to fast from food and just to pray like this, right? Let's, let's examine the actions of the two and what they emotionally and psychologically really mean. Prayer means to immerse oneself in. And fasting means to abstain oneself from. And what also Jesus was saying, pray about something for a while, immerse yourself in, and then fast from it and now weigh the difference. Aha, immerse in, abstain from, and weigh the difference. And then you have a lesson, yes? Then you really know about something, right? Right. And, and we, we, we do this all the time, but most of us do it unconsciously, Jessica, right? So we'll, we'll get a favorite program on the TV and we'll, we don't know it. We're just watching it every day. And we don't know it's the unconscious melody. And if, let's say we're watching a political show and every hour a day we're watching the show and it gets us all stirred up. Next thing you know, it gets us emotional. It gets us anger. And we don't realize that the Fox News, the CNN, the Newsmax, whatever, all of a sudden is our unconscious mama beats. I can't tell you one of the most funny things, what I used to teach privately, right? Too, you know, think too much is going on to do that anymore. When we have about a thousand members already, can you imagine if 10% raised their hand and said, please, can I train privately with you long? What would I do, right? I mean, it's only 166 hours in a week, right? That's right. That's right. So we're designing the free training, mm -hmm. the basic training, and, and we're getting ready to launch advanced training, yeah. which is a combination of all my 50 years of working with people so that we can have the best impact because there's a need not to teach 36 people how to do this, but to teach at least, the very least, about 36 million mm -hmm. people. In order for us to have an impact, I've already figured, we'll have to have a network at least 20 to 30 million people to even begin to find the 144,000. Yes. It just makes sense. It's a numbers game, right? I don't care what people say. It's a numbers game. Right. And I don't care what you do, whether you're in the church, you're in a civic group, you're in network marketing, affiliated marketing, whatever you do, PTA, three to 8% of the people do everything. Everybody else just watches That's and right. sits on the sideline. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was on a Christian. I love Christian music. Oh, my, 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 my youngest, been, he's been hearing Christian music since he was in the womb of his mom. She sang every Christian contemporary song on the radio. It's beautiful. He sings more than he talks, right? It's beautiful. And um, so we love it. But I, they were doing a fundraiser back a couple of months ago, like they do, right? And they said, of their whole listening audience, about 3 to 8% of the people participate. So you got 92-plus you got percent that are enjoying the benefits. See, but this is kind of how it works if people don't understand if you if people understand that it will only take 144,000 people 
to have an impact on eight to nine billion people on the planet, then people can really understand what God's mercy and grace really is. That how, how forgiving and how merciful he actually is, if they understand that. That's really incredible. On the other hand, you and me are looking at you, oh my God, we got to get 144,000 people because it ain't five, it ain't 10, right? It's 144,000. So because of Jimmy Swin and his team and what we're doing at the, at the My Patriots Network, we're creating this so that we can have a forum to reach out and teach people solution-oriented things to help them with their life, to help them get more healthy, to help them if they want to live a spiritual life, to live a spiritual life. We were all called to holiness. Every one of us this lifetime, are called to holiness. Every one of us are. It's will we step up and go, okay, you know, it's up to us, right? So what happens with fasting? You know, I, I give one of the best examples I can give of fasting is my yoga master. So in 1970, my yoga master was said that he was meditating in a cave for several years. And after, and, and, and a lot of people that have an old copy of my book and my tape see me taking a picture when I'm 33 years old inside that cave where he meditated for a long time. And then in 1970, he walks across the Ganges, literally, and he walks up 108 steps up to the ashram that was supposed to be of a a master called Harakam Baba in Northeast India, which was supposed to have left 24 years prior that looked 69 years old, but people said he was well over 120. Now this 17 looking or 18 year looking being walks up, folds his legs in lotus position, closes his eyes, and for 45 days, he does not eat he does not drink he does not go to the bathroom which might even be a bigger deal if you understand how emotionally connected to going to the bathroom is to infancy consciousness and he sits there on about the 20th day there's now gathered about 50 indians around him so 50 people locally some from the old ashram, some have heard it now. So there's 50 people, they understand this is a holy man, but they just don't know who he is. So they, they send for one of my teachers, who is this being called Sirhastraji, who himself has over a million followers and is considered literally an Indian version of like Isaiah or Elijah. In other words, a spiritual patriot, right? And a real seer, put his hand on your forehead. He knows who your soul is. He knows how many incarnations you had. He knows who you were before. I, I lived in his ashram with his family for about six months learning Sanskrit, uh, Ayurveda medicine, um, the Kata Kappa, the art of regeneration, Hindi dancing I was learning. And I lived with him. So this was before I got there. So they called him, him and his oldest son. They get on the top of the train, like you see them a lot of times, right? And they're riding and they come to Herakon. And so he's there. By the time he shows up, it's about 150 people there. So he arrives like 
28 to 30 days, the holy man, the holy man, the yoga has not moved, sitting there just still in meditation. He goes into meditation. He comes out and says, that's the reincarnation of Shiva. That's what he tells the people. That's who that is. That's the incarnation of Shiva. And, and if you're a Judean Christian group, Shiva to uh, the ancient Hindus is like the Christ is to the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and the Christ. He is considered the Son, right, of God. So he's. they say, Jesus said that death would be swallowed up into life. And they refer to Shiva as the destroyer of death, mm. which as people have been following me for a few months, you'll know that I talk about the, the dark side. That was the biggest sell the dark side did to the planet was to sell people that death was inevitable and death is not inevitable because we have several examples. There's four to five examples just in the Judean Christian Bible, right? Right. So recently on the eighth is coming up. Right. So the, the eighth is coming up. The eighth in India is the birth date of Krishna, which was is referred to as Christ of Asia. That's what Krishna means. Christ of Asia. And on that same day, it just happens to me. And I said, I think God did this for to to try to get East and West to come together. It's also the assumption of Mother Mary. So the same day that is Krishna's birthday is Assumption of Mother Mary. So I thought that was interesting. That's God, the Father, saying, don't buy into the division stuff. The division stuff is what the dark side wants you to buy into. And see, if your ego's having problems with what I'm saying today, see, that's of the dark side because our ego is dark. Yeah. And so if you're wanting to punch me or take a poke at me because you don't like what I'm saying, it's fine with me. But the key of it is, it's just your dark side. That's not the light because the light inside of you, God does not want division. He wants the Muslims, the Jews, the Catholics, the Protestants. He wants the Hindus. He wants us all to get along. Yeah. A lot of us today are not religious. And he still wants us to get along with the religious. And that's okay. But every one of us are spiritual. So again, fasting. Well, fasting is a natural progression. Again, we go back to Enoch, right? So when Enoch finally goes up into heaven, Enoch had been feeding the Susuma, Jessica, for 300 years. Think about that discipline. Wow. You know, Jesus lived this incredible life 30 years and manifested all powers just for Enoch to get 80% of those powers took Enoch 300 years. I'm kind of like me. I probably got to go the Enoch wow. path because I'm a, I'm a slow country boy from Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect. I love Tennessee. I love country music. But I'm kind of slow. I'm born outside of Nashville. That's why you hear the Southern twang. People always ask me, what kind of llama you are you? I said, imagine Forrest Gump goes llama, and then you'll understand <laughs> llama Rasaji. You got to have a little humor, right? <laughs> and so um, fasting is, is, a, is a natural progression. But what's the hurry? So when you go to make a change in diet, 
and abstaining from something, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Because sometimes, see, watch this. Physically should be balanced with my spirit, right? It should be. Because health and longevity is important. Because Enoch said it took him 365 years to master God's laws and God the Father's ways. See, because God's ways and God's laws, not man's laws and man's way. You see? So it took him three. And, and, and when he graduated, God said he did not taste death. I translated him into heaven. And when he comes back, people trying to give him money and trying to give him food. And he says, since I've been with God the Father, he basically became what's called an Asawa Dekanwali. I partake directly from the nectar of God. Mm -hmm. See, so you're gradually by doing these other penance with your mind, with your breath, with your movement, you know, don't eat heavy, but gradually let spirit guide you. Trust in the intuition that you're becoming and trust, and you will find you're going to eat a little bit less gradually. You're going to eat a little bit less heavy, right? That's right. It will be natural that people start to find out they eat more foods like fruits and vegetables that carry more fluid than they eat heavy meats and fats, animal fats, right? But if you wanted a, a dietary thing, Remember, drink six to eight glasses of this a day on top of whatever else you drink. Also, make sure that try, try to get in a habit of going, um, you know, somewhere between eight and 12 hours without eating. So they, they, they call it mm -hmm. breaking the fast, right? So even deep, even uh, Dr. Oz talks about this now on his website. You know, if, if Dr. I mean, God bless him, but if Dr. Oz talks about something, it's been around the planet at least a, a thousand times, right? Mm -hmm. So understand it God's way is you're going to decrease how much you eat, the duration that you eat, and little by little, his nutrition, the sun's nutrition, the moon's nutrition, the earth, air, water, and fire's nutrition, right? The nutrition you get from seeds, nuts, lentils, and gradually eating a little less meat as you go. And then look at the body, how it works, because what you'll notice is as you get more spiritual, your body starts to go back eating a lot like a young child or baby. And so what does a baby or a young child like? And a lot of times, mommy and daddy, they go crazy. They usually want one to three foods. That's it. One to three different foods. Oh, my God, you're not eating enough greens. Oh, my <laughs> God, let those chicken nuggets alone, you know? And, and, and the funny thing of it is they know. They're intuitively more attuned than spirit than the average adult, especially until they're about eight or nine years old. They intuitively know one, maybe two, not ever more than three. Who introduces them to this balanced diet? 
it's really a spinoff of the programming of the Thanksgiving meal. We think they're supposed to have six different food groups on their plate. Well, I hate to tell you, but the average six different foods on your plate would take three stomachs to digest. Yeah. Remember what I said about the Arabic saying, eat your way to disease, digest your way to health. See, you want to live a life dietary that supports a vital chief flow. Make sense? Yeah. I don't want to eat in a way that begins to take away. That being said, if I go too drastically toward fasting too many days, then I'm going to create imbalances in my chakras. I'm going to create, especially the head chakras. It's not really smart to be fasting too much and living a spiritual life and then jump behind the wheel of an automobile and then be emotionally upset because you just fight with your significant other and then you get out in the traffic. I've seen that kind of stuff kill more people than guns ever, oh. ever did. Ever did. So, <clears throat> and I still don't understand why if they make such a big deal about guns, why they don't make more big deal about automobiles. When automobiles kill 10 yeah, times kill more, They people. kill more people than, than guns do. Yeah, yeah. 10 times more oh, every, yeah. every year. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you're saying this because you see so many um, people talking about fasting all over the internet, but it just makes sense that you have to lay the groundwork and you have to tend to your spiritual body first your or your energetic body. And sometimes, you know, if fasting can just be too much, it could just be too extreme. It'll knock those chakras or like you refer to the naughty centers after out, which People don't always think that, you know. Well, and, and you know, and here's another thing, Jessica. Is, I mean, it's a good statement. Another thing is, yeah, the old programming is still in people in the beginning. When you're when you're on your spiritual path and you're in that first seven years, mm -hmm. and you've had that cosmic turning point, you're getting excited and you're getting filled with the Holy Spirit and you're doing all these things, but you still got a lot of old programming still left in there. And there's a part of the old programming that's left in, especially in our Western culture is push a button, pop a pill, instant gratification. And that is part of this fasting extreme. It's the same people that used to take a lot of drugs. Mm -hmm. It's that same mindset or they abused alcohol or they abused food or they abused people. That's or right. they abuse nature. It's funny, you know, people are always saying, you know, take care of nature. People won't begin to take care of nature until they take care of this. Right. Because the more that you take care of this, this temple. And remember, a lot of pe people think Jesus talking about the temple is only the physical body. Mm -hmm. Jesus was talking about the Chanda. Spirit, mind, and body are one. So that was the temple to master. So as you take care of the spirit, mind, and body, you'll look around you. All of a sudden, nature is more important to you. It becomes more important. So contaminating it, abusing it, all of a sudden starts to make sense, right? Because we're feeding each other, yes? That's right. We're feeding each other. I mean, almost every exchanging this is what the first line i'm you know i'm gonna close with this and that is what really got the first llama really excited was 
when he started to see this incredible energy interchange between him and nature that went way beyond oxygen for, you know, for carbon dioxide, went way beyond that. He realized that there was a light and a vitality exchange. About a decade into this, he realized the Susuma, that the Susuma was getting stronger and was actually reaching out through his nadas and reaching out through the chakras and his light and energy was getting bigger. And it was as if it wanted to encompass that. And the more he did that, he felt the same thing coming back from nature to him. See, because at the nucleus of all light is light and energy. At the nucleus of all life, L-I-F-E, is light and energy. And he recognized that in five decades later. He didn't care. He, had, he thought, literally, I mean, he was pushing like, 90 something like that right and he thought really that probably this incarnation was kind of coming to an end and he didn't care he was so in bliss he was so connected to god and nature he didn't care and then all of a sudden this general shows up and says look we got this emperor chin here it's you know, having some problems, and you're obviously a holy man. I mean, you're a little bit kind of stinky. You need to take a bath, you know, and cut your hair a little bit, trim your beard. And he said, but so they took him in, gave him a big bath, put him in his ponytail, dressed him up to look like a Chinese. And all of a sudden, for a while, he's this six, he's only person in China at the time that's over six foot, because anybody knows anything about China's history knows anybody 3,000 years ago, find almost anybody over five foot eight in China was considered almost a giant. Because most of the males were like five, 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 six, five, seven, five, eight. Then this guy was like six, two. Mm. Plus everybody knows that most of the Chinese during this time were very fair skinned. He was a dark Brahmin from India, where obviously he stood out, right? But to show you how the environment changes over a couple more decades, living in the palace, not having the sun contact, wearing full clothes as opposed just to being in a loincloth, right? His skin got lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. So over a period of time, he blended in. And he blended in, not as Boganathar, but as the famous Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu. And people just naturally who came generations later figured, hmm, this guy was born in China. He wasn't. He was born in India. And he progressed his teaching in China. He did not finish progressing until he got to Tibet. So the fullness of his teachings were never offered in China. They were never offered in India. They were offered in Tibet. Mm. And after 100 years of meditation. So he was well over already 200 years old when he started teaching the fullness of his system. And then he stuck around another 100 to 150 years to find the first 12, mentor them, not leave them. He wanted to be responsible. And as they began to duplicate and they moved toward the first 36, 
one day he just up and walked down the mountain and they kept waiting for him to come back and he just never came back. They don't know whether he passed or whether, but he was about Enoch's age when all that, when he finally, that was it, which was incredible when you realize that, you know, average age during that time wasn't even 60 years old. I know, I know. So what these beings have proven is that there's man's DNA, but there's God's DNA. That's right. And, and your longevity and how long you stay here will depend on which one do you more yield to. And I just choose to yield to the father because I think he's the one with the answers. And that's fine for the llama. Yeah, well, me too. <laughs> so Jessica, it's been wonderful. I oh, sure appreciate you. We'll have to do it again before too long. Yes, we will definitely do this again. Thank you for all this information. It it really um, kind of reframed my mind on the whole fasting um, experience. Yeah, fasting in itself. So and it just shows that there's so much more to tending to your body than diet or fasting or any any of that sort. So I always tell people that's why in the circle of life, I didn't write one chapter. I wrote nine. All nine of the chapters yeah. are important. Yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> Take care. Until next time. Until next time. This has been the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast with Jessica Ankaya. Follow the Holistic Keto Goddess on social media like Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have any questions about today's show or how you can live a healthier life, visit HolisticKetoGoddess.com and go more in-depth with blogs and healthy living resources. Like, share, subscribe, and listen wherever you find your favorite podcasts.